What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sean and Lydia Happy Hour. Hey! Coming at you from Studio Easy Peasy. I'm Sean Johnson, and that's Lydia Johnson. What's up, guys? Missed you. <laughs> yes, we have. We have not been very consistent, but we are getting into our end of the year 2022 podcast. So we can share all of our favorite trips, concerts, music, of course, the annual tradition that we have on the show. And also maybe touching on a little bit on New Year's Eve and our Vegas trip that we just did. So a lot's happened since we last spoke with you. But without further ado, the most important part, <laughs> light your favorite scented candles and pull out a uh, carbonated beverage of your choice. Preferably beer, but yeah. That's and just... I've got a seltzer. <laughs> Cheers. And crack one, pull one open with us. Cheers. Cheers. And, uh, you know, it is a special day. Ah. It's a special day in the Johnson household. It is the Royal Rumble Day. So Woo! throw a glass against a bottle against the wall at some point as you're cracking open a beer because, you know, that's the way Stone Cold would have liked to do it. Yep. But let's go ahead and jump in. Let's jump back in time a little bit. Let's do a little reminiscing. Let's do a little thought. Let's think about 2022 and let's talk about our favorite stuff. I know it's crazy. Like you always say, oh, the year went so fast and all this stuff. But then when we actually sit down to make this list, I'm like, that was, wow, what a, that was a long year. We did a lot, listened to a lot of music, saw a lot of great movies, great, great uh, year for horror films. As I was going back through my list, I love horror films. Um, some, one in particular, I mean, we'll get to it, but one in particular that I'm still having nightmares about. So that, that's how you know it was a good one. And uh, yeah, we went to a lot of festivals, a lot of concerts. It's just wild looking back. I just want to, you know, open by saying like how grateful I am for even being able to do all those things and do all the things that we can do and um, travel, festivaling. I mean, it's wonderful to have an able body that can do all of those things and just grateful for all the love that's in our life. And that's especially true for when you look back at your last year to see how many beautiful moments and beautiful music and movies and experiences that you got to have. So thank you to everyone out there who was a part of any piece of that and looking forward to sharing some of our favorites with you all. Great intro, Lydia. Always can leave it to you to go off the cuff like that. All right. So I want to get into the biggest topic, which is our top 10 albums of the year. I know I always do a top 10. I've been doing podcasts for going on 10 years now, and I've always had a top 10. You usually do your own format, right? Yeah, I'm just a little informal. I guess I have a hard time making decisions. Like I don't, I'm not as big of a like critic in that way as Sean is. So it's hard for me to put things into a list. So I will just say any of the lists and favorites and so forth that I share today, they're not really necessarily in any particular order. And I'm sure that I am going to miss other great ones that I could not quite remember. So um, without further ado, I suppose, Sean, if you want to Yeah, so I'll go ahead and get started with some shout outs to the Callous Dowboy Celebrity Therapist. That's This is basically the love child of of what a band in 2023 would sound like that is trying to rip off the chariot. So I absolutely love them. Shout out to Austin <laughs> Grimm, who also got me into them. And uh, this their record just didn't make in the top 10. Glitterer, of course, the lead singer Ned Rustin of Title Fight. He put out an EP. Again, shout outs. Shout out to Queen of Jeans. But let me get into my top 10. So I'm going to do the 10, 9, and 8 just because I don't really want to belabor any any of these in particular but number 10 anthony green in the high and driving band boom done this is anthony at his best his best solo record he's come out with in a couple iterations uh it's really crisp he also has the backing band of 
Good Old War, uh, two of the three members of Good Old War as the high-end driving band. He also this year, just a, a little bit off of this record, but just about Anthony, he's been struggling with addiction, of course, throughout his whole life. But this year, Circus Revive went on hiatus. So I am happy that he's still staying strong in the music scene. And, and he's also doing stuff with the Sounds of Animals Fighting and also uh, Seosin. So although I can't see him on, in Circa, which is actually kind of something I've been thinking about, Lydia. Every time I die, broke up. <laughs> Circus Survive broke up. Who's next from Tid the Season? I don't know. Hopefully not Nagloose, of course. We don't think so, but... I Oh, I was just going to say, I think it means we're getting old. Yeah. Oh, man. That's actually a better... I wasn't even relating it to Tid the Season, but... That's a good way to think about it. But let me get into 9 and 8 just really quick. Armor for Sleep. Armor for Sleep is a band that means a lot to me, and they came back out of nowhere with a new record. They went on tour with Dashboard Confessional. I believe friend of the show, Alex B-Word, went to the show with Cassie, but uh, couldn't make it out to that because of all of our other festivals and concerts. And then The Smile, the super band with Red Hot Chili... I'm not sure if it's Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I know it's some band uh, members of Radiohead. Of course, the lead singer, Tom York. And Johnny Greenwood, who is the mastermind behind Radiohead, put out a record through a new band called The Smile. But let's get into number seven because I, for me, because I know it's in your top three probably. Sticky Fingers, Lecker Boy. Lydia, take it away. Yeah, that's definitely a top three. So I don't, like I said, I don't really put them in order. But there's some that are clearly in like this top handful. And that's absolutely a top, yeah, like you said, three. Definitely would put it in my top three this year. Incredible album. Um you know, we kind of got turned on to that band from our friend in Denver, Lennon, specifically. And then that was, it was immediately like songs and albums that I immediately like fell in love with. And they put out a new record in 2022. So it's absolutely in the top three. I mean, it's just beautiful from start to finish. And I guess I can't even pick like a favorite song off of it because it's always changing. Anyway, give it a listen if you haven't. Yeah, the, the thing I'll say about it is that when Lydia, in, when it came out, I think in May or March, but either way, uh, she would put it on the car and we would get through the whole record and it'd start over again in like on drives or whatever. And it was just like, yeah, this is the, the best. This is amazing songwriting, phenomenal how there he, that band, Sticky Fingers, is touching all these different kinds of genres. Yeah, phenomenal alternative rock, I would call it. Music. Yeah, I agree. Number six for me actually is a surprise. It came in December. This has happened throughout my time doing my top tens, but there will be a record that lingers throughout the year that I never get to. I hear about it through other podcasts, other websites, whatever, Twitter, and I just put it on the back burner. And then in December, you got to do all this homework to get this top 10 to make sure that you are not missing anything. Of course, I've missed something every year, but that is the new band out of Oklahoma, Chat Pile. Chat Pile is the, this record is number one from the lead singer of Touche Amore off his podcast. He, that's how I found out about it in December. The record's called God's Country. And this is like short stories in noise, grunge metal, true American horror stories with guttural rough vocals tinged with bush light soaked NASCAR t-shirts <laughs> from a third shotgun beer of the, of the afternoon. And it's about rural America. It's about the tragedies of America. There's a song all about homeless people and why the hell do we have all these empty office buildings? We're mm -hmm. not letting these people in when it's cold. Can you imagine pushing, pushing all of your shit around in a shopping cart kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And there's also a song on the record that got me into it called Pamela. It's about 
It's from the perspective of Jason Voorhees' mother, Pamela, of her son uh, coming back. And like I said, this is a noise metal, uh, garage metal band type sound. So there's some rough vocals. And uh, I will say the reason why it may not be higher, because this is all I've been listening to doing my lifts and kettlebell swings and whatever. But the reason why it may not be higher is because I did, I was like, what do these guys even look like? Because, you know, when you hear these kind of, it's like, do they all have long hair and they're head banging? <laughs> you you kind of like, you put, you build your own picture of what a band like this, that sounds like this yeah. would look like. Something that like just touches all these kind of heavier metal genres. And I will say it looks like a dude that is like he's 28, maybe 26, the lead singer, but he looks like he's 40, 45. Just like he's oh, like kind of he's kind of gone down the hill. Oh, babe, that's <laughs> but, rude. Uh, well, the reason why I put him so low is that I was like, what the hell? Like he's not even putting any effort into this. He's not doing the like the screams and the, like the weird things he does on the record. So. But I will say, I will, I'm really, really wanting to see them for myself. I can't judge them off of one YouTube live set. Mm. <laughs> what would you say is in your top half of the year? Do you, you can go ahead and go on a riff for this is another. This is another album that's absolutely in the top three, and it's from a band, another band from Australia, which I think is kind of funny. So some of, like, there's, Australia is real. I mean, it's obviously a huge continent, but I'm just saying, I think, like, population density and stuff, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like, the probability that there would be so many of my favorite bands out that are from Australia is just interesting and kind of funny. And it's a, so it's a band from Australia. They're called the comfort. They're, I guess, sort of, I guess I would just say like rock metal, um, melodic sort of metal music. They released, I wasn't, you know, it's one of those albums that I put on my calendar to remind me that it was coming out, including sticky fingers album as well, including Odez's album, which we'll get to, but the Comforts album, Experience Everything, Live and Die, so anticipated by me, and it came out earlier this year. I absolutely love that band. I discovered them maybe not even like about two years ago now, but they instantly just shot right up the list. It's one of my favorite bands of all time, honestly. And that, the album's incredible. The, just the lyrics alone are beautiful. Like It tells such a beautiful story, like very emotional so a lot of them, very emotional songs and just beautifully written. Uh, so again, go check it out if you haven't already. All of their albums and EPs are excellent. But and just this one is a masterpiece. Yeah, I would say it's like taking all of what we love growing up, the melodic hardcore, the hardcore, the rock and roll sounds and all the great songwriting and lyricism but it's also kind of like a metamorph like like a evolution i should say of all of that into a really crisp very wonderful production 2023 record yeah and this isn't in my top three but since we're talking about australia flume the the electronic producer if you will like global icon in the edm scene he released a beautiful record, Palaces, as well. I wouldn't say, like, from start to finish, it's my favorite Flume album by any means, but there are a couple songs that are on constant replay in this household. And we also heard a bunch of those songs throughout the year, uh, especially the one that we were just listening to on the car ride Hollow, home. Hollow, yeah. Hollow, Hollow. Uh, just at other EDM shows or EDM festivals. He is the type of artist that all the other artists are sampling from and remixing his songs all right well yeah i mean i i love flume and that's one of those things we'll get into this later in the show of course talking about our favorite concerts and shows of the year but that was a tour that we had to end up missing in may mm -hmm. shout out to ganda b word who actually got to go and send us a bunch of videos from it so it looked like a great tour at the armory yeah Minnesota. you just can't do it all i we are thinking about 
hopefully going to North Coast. It's not something that we're committed to right at this point, but there are some really heavy hitters on it and it's in Chicago. So it's not a very far, it's not very difficult to get there. It's a hotel festival. So it's, you know, nice and comfy. And then you just Uber or whatever to the fest. But point being is that we may, if we, if we go, we will see Flume headline that big stadium stage that is a part of the festival, which would be a really cool experience. You have another one. You want me to pop off on one that I know is on both of our lists. Is it going to be Odessa? No, that's a little <laughs> bit higher up in my list. Number five for me, Sam Gellatry's Viewfinder Volume 2. Yep. Sammy G, one of the most important electronic acts for me, Sean Johnson, for the last 10 years running. 2014 is when we discovered him. Mm-hmm. Short story, or 2015, excuse me. And we've me. been spreading the gospel ever since because a lot of people don't know who he is. It's all about Dan Brown <laughs> and that one fader, thefader.com yeah. article I read while I was finishing up college in, in April 2015. Started my own first, my first podcast then too, uh, the Easy Peasy podcast. But anyway, let's get back to talking about the record. The record is it's almost like Sammy G through all of his like stems and all of his recordings up against the wall and he just kind of like mangled together like some discombobulated sounds that are just a lot more industrial than he I'm used to him from from him I'm more about I'm more used to like an a landscape like he's Jackson Pollock like p- painting a land well not like Jackson Pollock but like someone painting like a gorgeous landscape Bob Ross let's just say that but in this, he's like Jackson Pollock with his sounds, in my opinion, the stems and everything. And he's just throwing... It's way more pop. Yeah. It's poppy, which yeah. it's great. It's a it's awesome to see evolution and changes with artists. And I am absolutely support him 100%, but it is a different... It's absolutely a different album. Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is my number four. I know friends of the show, Nick Gandy, uh, <laughs> especially, are going to be like, what the heck, number four? Because the last two Kendrick Lamar records... To Pimp a Butterfly mm-hmm. and Damn were so much higher on my list, either one or two. And that's just because, I mean, I, I think I'm in the same ilk as everyone else. That This was a step back from those, but mm-hmm. that's still saying that he was in the top five for my rec- favorite Well, it's record. hard when you're incredible to yeah. <laughs> make every album. It was a misstep, but same. a minor misstep. He still made it the fourth on my list, at least. And the reasoning being, it's hard to listen to this album. It's almost, I kind of like think of it as like a Radiohead album. I can only listen to Radiohead when I'm in a certain mood. It's a very mm-hmm. emotional band to me. It's a, it makes me cry half the time. I listen, especially like Kid A. Uh, Lydia's seen, been witness to that. But it's so deep and it's so, just cuts so deep. There's songs on there that are just too real. And I'm not even, <laughs> this is from remotely the same background as Kendrick Lamar. So for him to pull at a white kid from the middle of the country at so hard to make it almost exhaustive to listen to this album, that says something in itself. So the emotional swings I get from it are tough to take to swallow, but at the same time, they give it to a lot Mm -hmm. of it, the kick. (laughs) Did you want to share a couple of yours? Yeah, I again, I'm a jump around type of a person, but I do want to mention probably a very lesser known artist right now, but maybe not for long, is a more local artist from Denver. His name is Indubitably, and he released an album called Ohan, and it's just several songs, and they're all beautiful. It's sort of like Closey-esque, like that very tribal. I'm not a EDM genre elitist, elitist, so I'm terrible when I describe EDM albums, but yeah, it's like tribal bass. It's very cool. Um, always support smaller artists, always support local artists. So if you have not heard that album yet, go and check it out. If you like Closey or anything in that genre, you're going to love it. 
And it's the type of person that is small now, but just watch out because I don't think he's going to be small for long. Shout out. So say it again. Indubitably. Indubitably. The the album is Ohan. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I have three left. So if you could do one more or something. Yeah, sure. So since we're talking about EDM, I mean, this is sort of a genre bending album. Tie-Dye Kai is one of those artists, but he released an album in 2022 called Hound. Love just pretty much every song off of it. It's an absolute bop, and <laughs> and there it, he's definitely he's definitely an EDM artist. Like he tours, he would tour with other EDM artists. But he's a singer, and it is a little bit alternative. Some of the songs are a little more alternative. So it's sort of I mean, if you're not super into EDM, you still very much might like it. I actually remember playing it for when we were in France. One of my friends, Gail. She's not she's not one of my my best friend, Gail. <laughs> not one of my friends uh my best friend gail and i were just like kicking it in the hotel room i was i think it was wedding day for madison and clem or something along those lines and i was getting ready and playing it for her and she's not really she'll dabble with a couple edm things but it's not really her preferred genre genre and she was like oh can you send this to me like uh, i love this so that is like <laughs> a huge buy-in yeah from somebody so that's that, yeah. that's testament like no matter what genre you like you very well might enjoy the album so check that one out too if you haven't and, cool. it's, and it's called Hound by Tie-Dye Yeah, Guy. we should try to repeat the album at the beginning and the end mm-hmm. again. Uh, okay, let me get to my top three. This is huge. Envy <laughs> uh, Core, Born in Fog. So Dem- uh, Iowa's own, I should say, at the Envy Core from Ames, Iowa. Originally, uh, lead singer Luke Pettypool is in Omaha now. But they started giving hints at the end of 2021. They were going to come back in 22. And I was like, OMG. I was freaking out. Dwell is in the top 10 record for me for sure. And this band not only announces their new record, they drop it a week early online for on Bandcamp. I buy it because I'm trying to support my boys, my own, you know, Iowa home boys. And it's incredible. Then they drop it for free throughout all the streaming platforms a week later. And at the same time announce that they're going to be uh, playing at 8035 Des Moines Music Festival that... It's right in the heart of Des Moines. And I just was like, hell yeah, I'm going. I committed myself to going regardless of the ticket price, even if it was just for that one act. What's cool about 8035, just giving a shout out real quick while we before we get into it, is that there's a lot of free acts too. There's a whole free side of the festival. for So Lydia and everybody came out. I was the only one that paid to go in. $70 to get in to see the Envy Corp play at like 1 p.m. on Saturday. Worth every penny. They slayed it. I love this record. This is, I, I'm I'm a Dwell fan. So their second album, it, it Calls You, I really couldn't get into. Not second, but uh, the last one before this. They haven't put out anything for close to eight, nine, ten years. So yeah, I'm, I love Born in Fog. There's some parts of it where it's like I can hear eight different, like different acts in the indie alternative scene. And of course, Luke Pettypool's just instrumentation but also at the same time vocal range is incredible all right number two now let's get into it <laughs> odessa the last goodbye hell fucking yes <laughs> i when i this is the type of album that you put your phone down for it finally comes out it's the type of album i'm so excited for it obviously the start of the day it was a work day i didn't even listen to it I, as tempting as it was, because I wanted to be fully present with the album when I heard it for the first time, it's one of those. Odessa, 
I'm sure many listeners, anyone listening to this podcast probably is familiar with who Odessa is. They are, I guess, probably, they're the, they're like the desert island band. You know what I mean? If you were stranded and can only listen to like one artist's music on the island that you're going to be stranded on for the rest of your life, I'm going to have to probably say Odessa because they, they're, you know, EDM producers, but it's genre bending. It's beautiful. It's emotional. It's happy. It's sad. It's everything in between. And they released their highly anticipated, everyone's longing for it for the past couple of years, the last goodbye, beautiful return from them. Point being is I sat down with the album basically after work that day and I just sat down, put my phone down, eliminated distractions and just listened to it from start to finish. And I was crying within the first 10 seconds of it playing probably. How did it make you feel? Just like Odessa is known for, they open up with like a Kubrick-esque scene, like just painting the picture of what you're about to get into, what's the emotional investment you have to have Mm -hmm. and it was incredible the record was so good it is just like i've said uh six years in the making by the way last time we had a record from them was a moment apart back in september 2016 and so we have been frothing at the mouth for some new odessa and yeah i i think that this it's hard for me to put into words what that with the relationship with a loved one it sounds like a loved one that's passing the last goodbye is not this is the last odessa record like very very skimming the top of the the name of it, it is it sounds like what lydia has said and i'll let you yeah share it. so it's actually interesting because the album came out before my dad died and i remember telling sean i was like i think i think one of them or both of them lost a parent this year or a very Throughout dear the years. or a very dear loved one. Well, I took to me emotionally, this is, and again, this is before my dad passed. I was just picking up on the messaging from the, some of the songs, the messaging from the beginning, the messaging from the name of the album. And I, I said, Sean, I think one, one of them or both of them may have lost a parent this year or a, a dear sibling, for example. And then, I don't know, it was just kind of an interesting experience to have that album come out, me have this feeling about the album, and then my dad did pass, and then we actually saw Odessa perform live. We didn't cancel the trip. It was only a couple weeks later. It was really. five days after your dad died. Okay, so it wasn't even a couple weeks. But I just thought, you know, we in the moment we thought, well, are we going to cancel the trip and not go see Odessa? And I, you know, we landed on no, let's not, because I don't think that that's going to make me feel any better to miss them. I'd rather go and maybe get out of my head a little bit. So it was just sort of an emotional, really emotional. It's always emotional with Odessa, but it was like extra poignant because of what was going on in our, what was going on in my personal life, what was going on in our personal life and having the messaging of that album pretty clearly be related to loss of someone close to you. Yes, totally. And in just in true Odeja form, just when you think that they can't get any higher up on your list of artists of all time, they, they prove you wrong. So the boys, uh, they did it again. Number two, did you want to talk about, uh, do you have a favorite record? One more because I'm, I'm down to my last. I have quite a few that I want, yeah, so go, I want yeah. to mention that are not in any particular order, but absolutely are on my longer list. 
And I think that we would be remiss if we did not mention Jack Kay's Cessation EP. Again, I think it's like five songs. It's like pretty short. So but good. Pretty short, but he's just an incredible songwriter. His lyrics are like cut so deep. And if you love sort of getting a little emotional and having, but also having a great sing-along type song, then Jack Kay's is for you. So he released Cessation this year. Cessation, obviously the meaning behind the word, he's struggled with sobriety off and on his whole life. And so a couple of a couple of the songs are absolutely related to his experiences with struggle. And then, and we're probably, we're going to talk about this eventually because we're going to talk about the shows and the festivals that we went to. Yes. But we did, uh, at the end of the year, get to go see him perform in a pretty small, maybe you remember the name of the lounge or the club, but it was just a small club. They weren't even serving alcohol. Um, you know, maybe because of the laws in Minneapolis, maybe also just because... It was an all-ages show and it was late. It was yeah, like so I think that could have been it. It also could have just been because, frankly, he doesn't... He's trying to stay away from that kind of stuff, so maybe he was trying to support other people who might be struggling but for we'll get us, into for, that later for, so for us we're like yeah we'll get into the we'll get, we'll get into, into the show but the cool part is is that we got did get to see him at the end of the year so that's definitely here since we're talking about sort of rock and that alternative genre i'll i'll mention a couple more that are in in line with that a band a newer band unarmed who is members of ex-members of American Me. And for, oh. for me, most impo- importantly, the vocalist is Ian Fike, who is the vocalist or ex-vocalist. I guess they're not really an active band anymore, but of my favorite melodic hardcore band of all time, like excellent memories, you know, core memories. We play those songs all the time. Saw them many, many times touring back in the day. It prevails. So when I saw that he had formed a new band, I'm like, obviously, I got to give it a listen. It's an EP. It's called It's Like That. A couple of really great songs on that one. Also, I talked about how important it is to support your local acts. And House Fire, all one word, is, uh, again, a little bit newer newer band just within the past couple years. Admittedly, had not given them a whole lot of listens yet, but they did also, they're from Des Moines. They released an EP this year called Discontent. It's it's really fun if you like emo sort of rock type music. Some really great lyrics, a couple really great songs in that one too. So who's in that band? Alex Arthur, who I follow on Instagram just from, you know, back in the day. He's sort of a local legend, if you will, and was in a really popular local band here called Keep and Confess many, many, many years ago now. So I know I've seen Keep and Confess open at, right. uh, at Vaudeville, <laughs> you know, open for a, a touring band. But yeah. Right. And, and... So anyway, of course, I had to give it a listen. And it's really it's really great. I really enjoyed. So I obviously had to give Alex Arthur's new band a listen. And it was it was great. Again, that's House Fire, all one word. You can look them up on whatever your streaming service happens to be. They actually played a show recently, which we had to miss because we were in Las Vegas. They played with my closest homie, Justin Rung's band called Cursed Existence. So while we're talking about the local favorites, give them give them a listen if you like metal music. Justin, I mean, he's been in a million bands and he just keeps the, the goodies rolling. So <laughs> He's one of the only tent poles of the Des Moines hardcore scene still kicking still putting in the effort to keep that blood flowing so shout out to Justin Rung of course all right 
Is that it for you? Or do you it's have... not it. I mean, I can just keep going forever. Well, I mean, <laughs> rattle off like some more, but let's move. We are at 30 minute marks. So okay. All right. I'll try to make it quick. So her, can you help me? Hermanos Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Hermanos Gutierrez. Yeah. yeah. Thank so you. So brothers, I just random. I don't even know how I discovered this. It was random, but there, there's not even lyrics. They're uh, two uh, instrumental, a two person instrumental guitar based band and they released a really beautiful album that it's honestly just something you can throw on in the background or you can jam out to it some really beautiful songs there's quite a few that remind me almost like of a kill bill soundtrack so that's really dope they released an album in 2022 check them out troy boy influendo since we're talking about like latin and mexican and spanish like type type uh, music troy boy's influendo was it's so much fun. All right. So I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and list these off without any context, context so that we can get through them. Shannon Blake, she's a singer-songwriter. She just has some really fun songs. She released an EP called Naked Sunshine, if you just like some fun uh, sing-alongs. I've also got on here What's So Not's Anomaly album came out in 2022. Stick Figure, they're a reggae band. They released an album called Wisdom. Satsung, we love him. We love his band. He released Flowers from the Fray. It wasn't my favorite Satsung album, but there's some goodies on there too. Black Carl and Sokka, they, their duo when they when they produce together is called Rush Hour. We got to, Chantel and I also got to see them sort of on the fly here in Des Moines, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but they released a rush hour self-titled ep space jesus he's back i don't know if it's a popular opinion or not but i loved his album book two and last but not certainly not least raven's coon also released an ep i guess it's the year of eps he released he released a couple but personally i didn't really like the latest one all that much but the er one from earlier in the year was called inertia and that was a really fun one too heck yeah well, it brings me to my favorite record of the year. Just when I thought it was not going to be that and it was going to be Odessa, I just could not put this <laughs> record down. And this will this will transition us, by the way, listener playing at home and Lydia into our favorite concerts, not festivals. We're separating those segregation there because of the fact that we went to so many festivals. I don't like rules. I'm going <laughs> to mix them up anyway. My favorite album of the year, alternative band from Philadelphia, you know, one of the best states in the world when it comes to my favorite alternative hardcore, melodic hardcore sound, Sweet Pill, Where the Heart Is, is the record. The band's called Sweet Pill. This band came out of nowhere. That doesn't happen to me very often. Usually I'm my favorite record of the year is from Every Time I Die or an Odessa or a Kendrick Lamar or a Sam Gellatry. Somebody that is just I've been a fan of for counting on to going on to 10 years plus. This is a band I discovered of right before I saw them live mm-hmm. in the beginning of uh, in September and then in the beginning of October I saw them and that record stayed with me for the rest of the year. Is so, it the is it the one with the female singer? Yes. Yeah, so Sean just for context like anytime I walk into a room it seems like he's singing that so- singing the songs off that album or he's listening to the album. And I mean, even I don't even really actively listen to the album because I don't have to because you're always playing it. So that's how I feel about all of your picks. So, yeah, no, it is great. I mean, it obviously wasn't on my list because you have that covered, but I I enjoy a lot of those songs, too. So this band uh, only had put out an EP before this 2019's Lost in It. And they have this like Midwest emo sound that combines like some really visceral lyrics with the moody moody emo rock of tiger's jaw the original lineup of tiger's jaw even and then with 
uh, being a lead female lead singer that has this power pop insane vocal range that has a little bit yeah. of paramore <laughs> in it too so yeah, it's I just such that. a strong act and that's just talking about the vocal range and the lyricism of the lead lead vocalist there is an incredible backup vocalist and also guitar and basses and drummer. So this whole band has it all. They went on tour with Law Dispute for their Wildlife 10 plus 1 tour because of the pandemic. They had to postpone it by a year. And that is where I saw them live. When I went there with Shelby, my little sister, one of my best friends in the world, we, of course, she's ride or die. So she goes to a Law Dispute show with me, even though she listens to them. She's not like me. And she's the only one that was willing to go. And we also, uh, we'll get into this part, but I went on a Monday after getting home on a Sunday from a three-day music festival to Wakan in Arkansas. So I went to see them in Kansas City, uh, open up for Law Dispute. They were going in as a favorite for me to like really steal the show. Of course, Law Dispute didn't get the stroll <laughs> stolen from them, but they were incredible. I want to point out the fact that, and this doesn't happen often, but when you have like a direct, like, your life led to this kind of moment feeling when you see a live act. That's what this felt like to me. Aww, the the leads cool. <laughs> the lead guitarist was wearing a Terra Mellos three hatchet or chainsaw dude, uh, headless chainsaw guy walking m- melody shirt, yeah. and that is like something you don't ever see. You know, a, a few shows growing up, I saw somebody with that tattoo around their leg, and I'd be like break out of like the pit and just be like dude you don't understand how important that terramelos record is to me he's wearing the freaking shirt not only that he's the lead guitarist he's the guy on the record that made me feel like i was listening to terramelos in between like all the songs so this record is incredible if you want to get into this uh if you want to take my favorite record and at least give them a spin you have to listen to high hopes it's the third song on the record and it is just incredible. Like I said, if you like Paramore, if you like like the vocal range that mm-hmm. can really like shatter you, and uh, then you're gonna you're gonna in- really love it. And then the last song on the record called "Cut." It's just a it's just a storybook ending. And you know how important the be- first song and the last song is of a record to me, listener playing at home. If you listen to any of my previous podcasts or last end of the year podcasts, the first and the last song are so important. That's what goes. That's why Etid and Odessa are so important to me because they always nail it. They nailed it with the first and last song on this record too. So Philadelphia's music scene, their emo rock and alternative scene has birthed so many incredible acts. I've really always, I've always wanted to go there. Uh, I think I've missed my high marks with, you know, title fight, balancing composure, circus survive all coming from, Philadelphia and there's so many more the cold makes you upset yeah so. <laughs> yeah the cold makes you have to go through the true I got feelings and emotions yeah trials and tribulations so again with that being said that is the end of our top 10 and favorite albums of the year with sweet pills where the heart is the album art is also incredible midwest emo sound coming at you from the east coast so let's get into our favorite music festivals and concerts of 2022 lydia let's go ahead and start with you well favorites again hard i'm not a critic uh every concert i've ever been to is my favorite concert usually i think it was even (laughs) i think it was even amanda shout out amanda shout out to amanda amanda and grant and denver I don't remember what show it was, but we were coming out of the show and I told I told Amanda, I'm blown away. You know, I'm in my feels. I'm like, dude, that was the best show I have ever seen, dude. And she's like, Lydia, you always say that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, I, I just, I think I'm just like kind of an emotional person and I romanticize a lot of things, but I really mean it when I say that like <laughs> every time. So I promise. So I'm not, again, I'm, my point is this, I'm not putting them in any particular order, but uh, let me just see if I can pull a couple just off the cuff from this list that were really cool. Roman Silver at Meow Wolf in Denver was amazing because I had this vision of it being, I guess, a giant venue and oh, we're probably going to be standing in the middle and a big crowd and all the way back and all this. But we were actually pushed up against the speakers with a decent amount of dancing room and we were, you know, right in front of him. He is uh, in an you know, EDM genre producer. For those of you who might not be familiar with EDM artists, he's growing in popularity. Like his, his fame is skyrocketing. He ha- writes some really beautiful music. And we got to be in a cool venue like Meow Wolf and pushed up right Very right there, closely right in front of <laughs> linked to one of our favorite electronic acts, Closey, as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I would also say probably... We also got Mersive is one of my favorite artists right now, period. And I got to see him a couple times this past year. And so those shows stand out to me because obviously, you know, he's one of my favorite producers. And two, we got to see him at a, a smaller, like our smaller club in Des Moines called Platform. For for our size of city, I guess it's not really that small, but compared to any bigger city, yeah, it's gonna be a little bit smaller. So I was actually shocked that he even I was actually shocked that he even was booked in that venue, honestly, because we actually not that not that many months prior had seen Mersive and Player Dave play the Ogden Theater in Denver, which is a massive venue, like a multi-story venue with rafters and a floor space and the whole nine yards. But then he booked this, he was booked at this much smaller club here in Des Moines. It's just the differences in the market. It's I, I understand. A and C markets. I totally understand that, but I just think it's pretty cool. So, you know, we're all the way on the balcony when we saw him in Denver, which I can mention as one of my other favorite shows. And we're up in the rafters, you know, far away from him. Still a great view. But then at platform, I'm literally right in front of him. Because again, we got there early. I wanted to make sure that I was up front. And I absolutely was. And I, and I held on to that spot the whole time. So both of those instances of seeing Mersive loved it. We did also see him at Wakan. So I was very spoiled this year. Just being like a festival vibe, you know, and you're kind of, we were all the way in the back. We, I did walk up to the front for a big chunk of the show. But my point is, you know, it's a festival vibe. It's a little bit different vibe going on. So the two times I saw him in concert, if you will, definitely stand out as great shows from 2022. Hell yeah. I was there for all that. So that was, that was also fun for me. So now I only have a top three. I have some shout outs we can get to though. So I'll go ahead and list down these shout outs. We already talked about Jack K's one of my favorite shows of the year, to be honest with you. Seventh street entry is the smaller little back area of the first Avenue venue in Minneapolis. Uh, that's where we saw him. That's where Lydia was saying earlier in the show where she couldn't, we couldn't buy any alcohol. It was an all ages late night show, later night in the night show. Ayaterra and Sideways at Cervantes, the, the back area of Cervantes where it's like a huge venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see them in March. Ayaterra blew me away. I mean, Lydia had been playing Ayaterra for months and months and months <laughs> and they blew me away. I could not under, like I could not wrap my head around. Like I listened to her playing the music as she's mentioned about me playing <laughs> Sweet Pill. Listen to her playing the music around the house and the car rides and whatever. And I've always liked it. I've respected and liked it just fine. But when you get there, that lead vocal Vocalist, what's his name? 
Nathan Aurora. He is one hell of a lead vocalist. Yeah, he's a great. Looks like man. he's really, he's really <laughs> like, he's just got the bravado. He's just got like everything you need in like somebody. He's personable. He's likable. Mm-hmm. He's looking so healthy now. He looks like he's just took his life in control. Like he really. It looks like he's taking control of his life and he's he's doing really well. Uh, the band sounding incredible too. Do you, have, do you want to share any thoughts on Ayaterra? Yeah, I mean, March? just that they were just that they were also on my top concerts of the year. Of course, they're right here. And in 2021, they had one of the top albums. I'm pretty sure that was on my list. That was 2021. Mm-hmm. Ease and Grace came out two years ago. And yeah, I've just been in love with them. I like Sean said, it's always it's a very common artist to be spinning in our house. And I think I think he liked them, but like he was surprised even with seeing them live. They did a couple of really cool covers of just rock songs that, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit played out and annoying, but they just made it very cool. When they can like come close to kissing that star of that rock song, or, you know, come close to like crushing it or even crush it better mm-hmm. than the original. Yeah. Then that's a, something to say. I walked out of that show. I remember like the, I was welled up. I was just like, so felt really emotional and bundle of emotions because I was like, I did not expect that. I did not expect that to be one of my favorite shows of the year. So mm-hmm. let me, we, let me move on to a couple others that you weren't, uh, that may not be on your list. One more. Tyler, the creator, Vince Staples, Kali Uchis, and Tizo Touchdown, Minnesota, the Target Center in Minnesota. Arena show. You know, we don't go to those very often, as you can tell from our taste in music. You know, we're expansive, <laughs> sure, but that means that we're not going to see like Adele or, you know, the Justin Beavers or the Taylor Swifts of the world. But seeing Tyler just album by album grammy by grammy nod and finally getting his grammys here yeah. uh for his latest record <laughs> just get to do his arena tour uh was incredible uh that was in february at the target center vince stables was one hell of an opener and callie uchi was actually who i was most excited to see because the within the year prior her isolation record was on full rotation for me uh even though it had been out for a few years after okay this one i guarantee is on your list lydia it was in Colorado. Shocking. The church. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The church in Colorado. R.L. Motherfucking Grime. Hell kid. yeah, baby. As you guys know, probably know, R.L. is like an all-time favorite producer in this household. It's something, basically when I got into EDM, that was one of the first artists that I was listening to, and so he's remained a favorite. I mentioned earlier, Flume is one of those artists that a lot of people are sampling his songs, remixing his songs, flipping his songs, whatever the terminology is these days. RL is even more so one of yep. those artists. He's elusive. He's somehow maintained this very cool, low key, like low key vibe. He's not super public. Like he does post, but it's very, I don't know. He's just elusive. It's not like he's not vlogging. Right. You know, in which elusive, I respect. He's private. Elusive it makes, is such a good word. It makes being a fan of his still cool. And, and, it's just uh, I commend him for being able to maintain this very, very vibey, cool persona all these years. But point being is that we did see him a couple times last year. I always see him a couple times at least. But we did go to Denver and we were able to catch him. It was a Thursday night show. I guess probably one of the coolest parts of it was, you know, like a few of the other shows that I mentioned, I've been managing to just be at the very close to the front. And I just there, I think that there are positives of all experiences right in the back you can see that maybe the lights a little better you have a little more room to dance 
But being up front is also super cool because you're just only a few feet from the person that you adore so very much. So yeah. I got to be very up close and seeing one of my favorite artists. And it yeah, was a great I mean, show. it wasn't the best spot, though. I mean, we're on the other side of the speaker. We're against the wall, kissing the wall. So we'll get into a good spot for our our grind. But the church in, in itself is dope. Like church the, is fine. The, yeah. I mean, Mission Ballroom is better. Ogden Theater is better. And even the back room of Cervantes is probably better. Uh, anyway, let's get into the actual my actual favorite shows of the year uh i know you want to probably talk about ls dream at the mission so let's actually do that first yeah i mean it's funny that you would say that because actually i I, it is on my list because it's a cool venue the lights the the visuals the lasers everything is just very well put together there and so the show visually was great he was great of course like not saying he wasn't. He great. was one of the first people in months and months for the owner to say turn on the disco ball. So yeah, that's but I'm huge. just gonna be honest with you. I what did, didn't even see that. So <laughs> well, that's your fault. I, um, it was a great show for me, and I thought he he absolutely slayed it. And the openers were incredible. Miso, Veil, Board to Board with Notlow and Lucid Vision, Commissar. It was I a mean, great show. My point is just that I don't think it was my favorite time that I've seen our uh, that I've seen LS Dream. But let's get into my top three shows. I guarantee two of my top three are on your list somewhere, Lydia. So let's go ahead and start with Rufus Dussel. Mm-hmm. Red Rocks. This was our what? Let's count fourth Red Rock show. We've been there for Odessa in fifteen. We went and saw or twenty seventeen. Dead Rocks. Me. Dead Rocks. Zoo. We've been there for Zoo and 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 uh, Rufus Dussol. So getting to see Rufus the couple weeks before they announced that they're going to mm-hmm. be taking a break to start families was very important to us. Rufus was always a top act of ours uh, electronically. But mainly came stemmed from the pandemic. It just we ended up put, turning you turned on or somebody turned on. B word may have linked us a live set of theirs where they're playing in the. It's a very famous national park called Joshua Tree, and they're playing a live performance out there. It was like during the pandemic, filmed incredibly. You, me, and Mitch watched that what fifty times. It seemed like throughout <laughs> the throughout the like the last couple of years of the pandemic. So they became a really important artist. We and I promised to the. I think I promised on this podcast. Podcast. I would see them in 2022 mm-hmm. or one, 21 or 22. Well, I finally got to make that hole in 22 by seeing them at Red Rocks. Also, Cassie, sh- friend of the show, B-Word's fiancés, and one of our best friends. First Red Rocks show. Mm-hmm. B-Word yeah, got to take cool. her, so that was really fun. Got to get all bundled up and go up in the mountains. Yeah, do you have... <laughs> it, was uh, really that was, it was chilly, but it wasn't as bad as as, as we know. No, Zoo honestly, Rock. it's never that bad Icelandic as long as you Zoo. dress... As long as you are prepared. For you know, layers, You're, you're yeah. dancing and so forth, so you're, you're having a good time. Did you want to say anything in particular about Rufus's Red Rocks show? Uh, just that it's epic. You know, it's, it's that... That is the type of artist that you want to see at a venue like Red Rocks. Like the, Red Rocks was built for artists like Rufus DeSoul, like Odessa. These are artists of epic proportions, like yeah. legendary artists that just between the lights and the production, it's meant for a venue like that. And it was a beautiful experience. It was also it wasn't literally our anniversary but it was within our anniversary week so it was a way for us to celebrate we had a wonderful trip out to Denver as we always do and that experience was sort of the cherry on top towards the end of the weekend we had a wonderful time as you may have gathered throughout this podcast alone or all of our podcasts really that we do a lot of traveling and again we pulled the trigger on this one in October to see them because of our third 
wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. So moving on to my number two, which I guarantee is on your list. And we've already kind of lightly touched on it. So maybe we can only we can share a couple other little tidbits of the venue or something or of the actual set itself is at Fiddler's Green again in Colorado. We saw Odessa. Mm hmm. And uh, Sylvan Esso opened up. Actually, Sylvan Esso I've known of longer than I've known of Odessa or close to it. And they actually played at one of the first forests we went to. Ooh, okay. I remember Nick and I you discussed. Have a good memory. Well, <laughs> Nick and I discussing and maybe, you know, talking about going to see them. It might have been one of those bands that we had saw, walked walked past mm-hmm. the ranch arena and just been like, oh, yeah, we were going to maybe stop and see them. <laughs> uh, oh, well. <laughs> Sylvan Esso have been indie alternative darlings for a long time. And so they opened up and Odessa themselves came out and just rocked the whole place. A couple of things I want to say and then I'll toss it to you, Lid, is first being Fiddler's Fiddler's Green is amphitheater is very, very basic, fine, nothing in particular. It was stunning to me. There was lines everywhere. It was... Yeah, it's a little chaotic for sure. An hour-long drive from Denver where we were staying essentially... You know, it was it was not ideal in any sort of way. Shout out to friend of the show, Christian, who gave us a ride home out of nowhere. Yeah. He wasn't even at the show. He well, a ride, ride back to his place. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we got to Afti's. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, he wasn't even at the show, but he offered to come and get us. So we really appreciate that because it was pretty chaotic chaotic trying to get out of there another important reason why we had a decent time like as it relates to the venue is because shout out dusty and emily uh denver denver residents and our good homies there who went extra early and made sure that they staked out if you will a spot on the hill for big enough for all of us to sort of squeeze in so we weren't in the chaos of like trying to fit a large group when half the spaces are, had already been taken up, so they got there early. They were some of the first people in line to make sure that we had a good experience. The it was it was fine once you were planted, but unfortunately, the hill was so full. The show itself incredible and worth it. Like I don't mean to insinuate that it wasn't, but if you had to go to the bathroom, which you know people I think were making sure that they only had to go to the bathroom maybe one time the whole set because it was crazy, but you basically had to like in an inebriated way then try to walk up a Ugh. a shoulder to shoulder packed kind of slick grass hill. You know, you basically just had to go. I'm sorry and step on people's shit because I mean, there just literally wasn't any other way to get around people's belongings and people. So that part was hard. And then coming back to try to find your group is even more difficult because it's dark enough that you can't really see people and so forth. So, I mean, that's, that's really my only complaint is that I was having a hard time finding people when I was coming back from the bathroom. But, and I think a lot of people, there were a lot of complaints online that they just had like a crummy experience because you know, we they didn't have a Dusty and an Emily to stake no out their kidding. spot. So, so shout out again to Dusty and Emily, <laughs> uh, friends in Denver. Uh, so a couple of things I want to I want to backtrack a little bit. I was at off by a year. Odessa's A Moment Apart came out in 2017. I kept thinking it was 2016 for some reason. So I don't know why I got that mixed up. But my point being, when I'm bringing it back to that uh, aspect of us discussing the last goodbye, is this is the third Odessa record where we got to see them out of their four, by the mm-hmm. way, where we got to see them on that original, that first tour of the record. Mm-hmm. And for a moment apart, we saw them five times on that record. <laughs> we so, sure did. We again, love them. <laughs> such an impactful and important artist in Sean and Lydia, Happy Hour, 
history. Mm-hmm. So that re- that show was really great. You said everything I wanted to hear about the venue and all the feedback. So mm-hmm. good job there. Getting into my favorite show of the year. I'm sure you, if you have a couple more, then that's good. But otherwise, we just need to barrel along. We're at over an hour. So uh, Law Dispute, Sweet Pill, Victoria Vark, which is Victoria Park, just with the two first letters flipped. I didn't see them, but me and Shelby go out there. Like I said, we're getting into Wakan because Wakan was on my list of favorite festivals. But just after Wakan, I'm like dead. You know, I just been at a three day music camping electronic music festival, and I still committed months in advance to go to this show on a Monday in Granada at the Granada Theater in Kansas with Shelby. My favorite show of the year. This is not new to Shelby if she listens to this or anyone listening. But my favorite shows of the year do stem around that solo experience very often with that one person in my life that matters a lot. It has happened before with Shelby with 2018's Avalon with Anthony Green 10-year anniversary tour. Well, guess what? This was Wildlife's 10-year anniversary plus one because of the pandemic. I want to put that in quotes or in parentheses. Wildlife anniversary tour. I committed to going to this the day it got announced. I texted Lydia an image of this tour poster. I said, I'm going. Wildlife is the reason why I fell in love with Law Dispute to this extent. Um, somewhere between the bottom of Altair mm-hmm. and Vega is up there, of course, with such small hands being the opener of that record. But once Wildlife came out in the fall of 20, 2011, it was a tough time for me. I just was in the middle of dropping out of... Iowa, the University of Iowa. So <laughs> I was going through a lot. All right. Uh, and that record just really picked me up. The short stories of the American, the American world and the, their Jordan Dreyer, the lead singer surroundings there in the Midwest American America. So maybe there's some ties there with the chat mm-hmm. pile record being mm-hmm. so important. Midwest emo and expression and emotional music. So with that being said, uh, yeah, that, that show was incredible. So with that being said, Lynn, let me toss to you for a couple more quick hits of concerts. Yeah, I wanted to say, again, I have a hard time like saying this was my absolute favorite, but I will say that it resonated with me so emotionally. We got to see one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Satsung, play Woolies. And the reason, he's he's incredible, his band is incredible, but the reason why it really stands out to me is because I remember feeling happy for the first time after my dad died. It was one of the, the experience is always wonderful seeing him live or listening to his music, but it was especially, it was especially emotional for me because it was the first time I felt like I felt joy since my dad died this year. And so I thank you, Satsang. I appreciate that. It was very beautiful and soul touching to be able to just experience that and dance and sing along. I had a wonderful time. And then one more I wanted to mention, mainly... I mean, not that the show wasn't incredible, but seeing Sokka and Black Carl at Platform, their performance was incredible, but it's more so just the entire experience of the day and the night. So it was something where we had kind of tossed around the idea, a couple of friends of going. Again, it's a Thursday night show, didn't really plan to like take the day off on Friday or anything. So you're always running the risk of staying up too late and like not feeling not feeling well. So it's like, <laughs> God, oh, yeah. <laughs> you really turned one on that night. <laughs> we did, and I'll I'll keep it I'll keep it you know uh, kosher thirteen <laughs> kosher for the listeners at home. But and I'll keep it short. Basically, we weren't gonna go. We had said we weren't gonna go. Like even the girls. So Chantel and I are talking, for example, and we weren't gonna go. But then Chantel won tickets, and Luis, uh, her partner, 
didn't really particularly want to go. So I'm like, dude, I guess I'll go. Let's send it. And we had a wonder. She won like a meet and greet thing. So we got to and I'm sure, you know, whatever. I know I'm not special. He meets a million people. But we had a really good time and actually got to hang out with Black Carl and Sokka and actually got to have conversations with them. And I mean, they're fairly big artists. So it just was a cool experience to actually be able to hang out and talk. And we like after partied and stuff. Uh, with Black Carl, and we just had a really fun night. Like, it's a wonderful story. And Chantel and I, you know, no regrets kind of a thing. Like, we had a wonderful time. So <laughs> that's definitely up there as one of my top experiences for 2022. Brilliant. Awesome. Okay, <laughs> let's move into festivals, and let's try to keep this a little quick. We're over the hour, like I said. So I do want to, number one, uh, before we get into festivals outside of the of, of Iowa. Or should we start with the worst festival of 2022? Yeah, Decadence. Which Holy was Decadence. Shit. I was going to actually. <laughs> More break. like Dukedence. What the fuck? <laughs> so not so I went Lydia and I had uh, been together for ten years this year. Uh so yeah, we'll give you guys a moment to start clapping and cheering and smiling. <laughs> but uh yeah, so we we sp- spent many New Year's Eves together now. <laughs> you can't count them anymore, but you can barely count them, I guess. Uh but anyway, my point is is that we've been to Decadence 2014, 2015 before. And I remember saying in 2015, I'm never going to that again. That was shit. Lines, awful. Well, the lineup is what draws you in. That's the freaking the the poison pill. The lineup is always so good. The Denver decadence, the Colorado decadence. You know, they have one in what Arizona and Chicago or something too. Yeah, Not Chicago, yep. but I, Arizona, Arizona for, for sure. sure. Yeah. But anyway, the lineup was so good. We said, screw it. We'll go the thirtieth. You know, thirty first. We'll have like a house party. We'll be. We'll be normal ass thirty year olds, <laughs> late twenty thirty. Hey, house parties are more fun. The best, but, the but best. We wanted to see a couple of the acts, and we wanted yeah. to have a different experience. We didn't just want to hang out at home both nights, sort of of the new. I don't want to turn weekend. this into a shit on decadence <laughs> fest because I want to talk about the fun stuff of twenty twenty two. But it sucked. It was la- it was laughably awful. sucky. Lines so. were horrible. <laughs> there was only one area to buy beer. You had to wait like fucking what an hour and a half for Nick. It was one area on each side of the convention center. So there's two. Yeah. It was horrible. It's not even the music the beer. was fine. I almost, I literally almost rage quit and almost like said screw it and hit the multiple eject people did. And yes. it's not even the beer. Like at the end of the day, whatever, Pee. I'll suck it up. You had to wait like forty minutes just to just to empty your bladder, which yes. is just not cool. And a venue that size and the amount of bathrooms. It's not just because they had one bathroom. They had so many bathrooms, but every bathroom the line was. I'm I'm not exaggerating. Thirty to forty five minutes, if not more. No wonder this bathroom. convention center has never put on anything else remotely close to something i'd go to there's no denver comic-con there's nothing like that this place is the worst that venue is trash i never want to go again with that being said let's close the door on shit and open the door on awesome let's talk about i want to give a shout out again real quick to 8035 being so important to the des moines music scene bringing up really up-and-coming artists you know how many artists we've seen at 8035 that are doing arena tours lizzo yeah Lizzo, mm-hmm. uh, Kesha, you know, there's so many more. The list will go on and on. But I want to get into Cosmic Kingdom, one of my favorite weekends of the year. Not only is it my baby's birthday, Lydia. It's me. But it is where a bunch of people come together. So many different parts of our Des Moines friend group and now Denver friend group. It's a fam excursion. Like everyone make because it's it's like right down the street, basically. So everyone makes sure that they have the time off work and so forth. And we all get to get to get together. And 
one of the special like cherries on top was that our homies from good homies from Denver, Christian and Simone actually traveled in and stayed the night with us the night before and went to Cosmic Kingdom with us for the weekend. So that was extra special to have them come in. And my other bestie from Denver surprised me. Becca P. (laughs) She flew in. And, you know, sometimes surprises do get spoiled at some point. This one really didn't. I was absolutely shocked. And to make it even more shocking, she because her flight got delayed, she actually wasn't there until like the afties kind of hours. So after the music had already stopped. So she, um, you know, we're trying to keep it short, but she surprised me. And I what my jaw dropped to the ground. Like I thought I was seeing like a phantom. Like she had (laughs) been working with me or something. She had been working with me (laughs) that whole day telling me, giving me updates, especially later on after she finally got off work and was heading to the airport. And it was a tough one, but she made it in. I well, remember I love telling, you, Becca. Thank you guys she, for doing that. When I told that was... Mitch, you know, friend of the show, Mitch, been on a few of my podcasts and uh, going to be over here in just a short while for the Royal Rumble. But he, when I told him that Becca was coming in and she was getting in in just a few short hours, he was like, what the heck? <laughs> she only, yeah, and then she, you know, had to Shows work. Up. So, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, Closey, G. Jones, what a freaking line. You can't ask for two of the better trees. headliners yeah. Yeah, of the day. So. We had a wonderful time. We even saw a couple of the artists walking around. That was really fun. So Cosmic Kingdom is always top on the list. Yep. We also, I couldn't even believe this was in 2022 because it seems like forever ago now, but we went to Okeechobee. Okeechobee is <laughs> on my list of one of my favorite festivals as well. That was a real tough one. For it was you a tough I. one. I would like to do it again someday. And just now that we know a little more about the festival, it, it's a big festival, like the size of Electric Forest. So it's like a big investment, lots of walking, etc. And we came in a little pompous, you know, thinking we know everything about festivals, but we just didn't know the layout and so forth. So we we can make it better next time. But we had a, it's a really it's a very cool festival that they put on there. And we had a blast. Yeah, there was a lot of my favorite festival moments. I won't even get into, get into for PG rated reasons, but a lot of my favorite festival moments were at that festival shout out to sydney who actually had gone prior with other friends from des moines mm-hmm. sydney a friend of the show who she kind of showed us the rope she also introduced us to her chobi oki chobi fam you know and we got to hang out with them in ga and Luis and chantel were there and nick and shana and that's where i got to have some really good one-on-one time with kyle who is megan's mm-hmm. fiance mm-hmm. who they're gonna get married in the next month so it was a really fun music festival going mm-hmm. home was a slog i smelled so bad my my luggage was like sweaty. I've never looked more embarrassing yeah. at, I've never looked more embarrassing Lydia at like airport. laid down put her uh, uh, hoodie over her eyes I was wearing in, in slippers with so- like fuzzy slippers with socks on them because I don't even know why I forgot oh, my slides at home or something. Yeah. or something. And so then I bought the stupidest pair possible from Walmart instead of just buying a normal pair of shoes. It, it's funny. We could honestly do a whole podcast to dissect our festival. So maybe we should do like a part B to this so that we can get in a little bit more detail. Well, we've already gone through <laughs> these festivals throughout our podcast of the year. So let's move on to my one of my, my last one I wanted to bring up, which was Heat Wave. Heat Wave was in Chicago. Yeah, that's on my list. In Doug, at Douglas Park. So it wasn't at the normal venue for... it's It was the inaugural. It was the sure? first one. Thanks. It wasn't at the normal venue and park in Chicago for... What's that, Ben? What's that part? Festival Lollapalooza. Co- yeah. It wasn't at Lollapalooza's Grant Park. It was at Douglas Park. Different area, but it was incredible. 
uh, this is where Lydia was talking about the, seeing R.L. Grime at the church in Denver, talking about how close we were. And I was just like, what? Rolling my eyes? Because we were on the rail for R.L. Grime at yeah, this festival. It was incredible. You we actually didn't it. even mean to be, but... Uh, several artists prior to that Sean and I went up I think it was Roman Silver maybe yeah. and other people were just kind of kicking it in the back but I love Roman Silver and Sean does too so no, I was like let's Roman just Silver go Roman Silver was the day before day after but it doesn't matter so then we went up for a collie yeah it was a collie so we went up front for a collie another one of my favorite artists his performance was kind of disappointing but that's that's not the point so we're up there and a few artists later RL is headlining so I'm like this is an amazing spot let's just stay here yeah. if everyone's willing to come up and then we can be front row at a festival for RL which really doesn't happen for us so that was a blast it was the inaugural heat wave so the first time that they've ever ever done the festival we had a lot of fun I mean it's a pretty small festival kind of basic it's not you know some big art installations or anything like like that but we had a really good time it swallowed up the uh, hole in chicago music edm scene for a spring awakening type mm-hmm. or a summer for whatever. sure they did yeah. and uh so in addition to that i don't think this one is on your list but i had an, an amazing time at wakan it's in arkansas it's in arkansas and it was the first time that not the first year of the festival but the first time that we all went shout out simone and christian again because we were able to rendezvous there shout out ian it was wonderful and actually to throw it back to one of my eps that i mentioned or albums that i mentioned earlier indubitably that's actually where i met Chaz for the first time and Chaz is indubitably so that's just kind of cool so shout out to the Denver fam who traveled even further than we did. Jesus, to get 16 down to hours. Arkansas. Let's talk about also David. I mean, yeah. geez, what a great time. <laughs> that was like some of my best times hanging out with that guy. And speaking so. of good shows, though, like one of the best we're talking about LS Dream. We got to see his meditative set that he does under the name Light Code. And so we got our lazy butts, our hungover butts up from the night before. And we got down there and we did it. And that was a very that was a really cool experience because I've never done his Light Code thing before. So, yeah, uh, Wakanda is on my list. So I, I, I want to point out that Arkansas's Mulberry Mountain is was absolutely incredible. Bringing in a couch every day was like, what the heck? That was so cool. So, well, it wasn't cool to you at the time. You were giving Chantel and I a hard time for for bringing the couch. No, for some the reason. hard time. No, <laughs> let me interrupt you. The hard time was stemming from the fact I said I don't want to help getting and it. And you in, didn't. But I helped every night getting it home. So that was my my commitment so let's move on those were our music festivals you know you heard like some more deeper dives in throughout the year but those are our favorite of favorites of the year tv shows and movies let's start off with uh tv shows so we can rattle through those because you know we don't yeah you go ahead and just list them because you're much better at keeping track of them and pretty much any show things that we're doing we're doing together so murderer the jeffrey dahmer series story is i don't know why evan peters doesn't get Oh, freaking Oscar for this. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Let's go into Prehistoric Planet. That was a lot of fun to see the reimagination of what uh, the the dinosaurs look like with feathers and everything. Mm-hmm. It was so incredible. I'm a big fan of Planet Earth type National Geographic type shows and documentaries. Uh, Euphoria or yeah, Euphoria season two came out last year. That was a really banger, big banger. Severance, Ozark series finale. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows Season 3, The Staircase, P- Peacemaker Season 1. The last two I did want to actually have a little bit of a discussion on was, I'll start with Better Call Saul, my favorite show of the year, series finale. Bob Odenkirk is going to be robbed, I guarantee it, for best performance in a drama or comedy. I know it's weird they put Better Call Saul in a comedy instead of just the drama. 
Also, uh, let's talk about one that you was on your list for sure uh, in some sort of fashion, House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. They met expectations of and kind of shined the polished polished the turd of the last season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Want to throw it back to you and I actually did a full Game of Thrones rewatch in 2022, and that we was did, a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Other rewatches include <laughs> Sons of Anarchy, The Office. It was a really great year for our rest time to be focused on tv and movies Mm -hmm. so let's move into movies we do want to keep moving along i have i want to start with the worst movie of the year go for it black adam unwatchable (laughs) it was i never watched it you know i love the rock but i turned it off and and you need to know the context in which i turned it off as well because it wasn't just like, oh, I was planning on having a nice movie night and I wasn't interested in it, and so I turned it off. This was like a hangover Sunday where I was just resting and recuperating from uh, like a big social weekend. And so you're putting on whatever. It doesn't matter because you might doze off. You're just relaxing. You just want mind-numbing stuff. Even for that state of mind that I was in, unwatchable. Unwatchable. I hate that movie. <laughs> it was the worst thing pile of garbage of 2022. I couldn't believe it. A lot of the movies that Sean and I do, we like the shows we're doing together for the most part. So we're probably going to have a lot of shared movies. So we're probably going to have a lot of shared movies. I will kick it off with a few. Let's see. I suppose I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast that it was a great year for horror. So, and I didn't even realize that really until I was making this list. I guess that's one of the fun parts about making your favorites list is kind of reflecting on what actually happened in the year prior. Great year for horror films. I will just say that some of my favorite horror films came out in 2022. It's my favorite and it's also my least favorite because I still have nightmares about it. Smile. Uh, It really messed me up, to be honest. Like, I'm still thinking about it when I fall asleep at night. It's the type of movie, like, oftentimes I'll rewatch horror movies that I really liked. I think maybe I will rewatch it someday, but it's so disturbed. It's disturbed me to my core that I can't rewatch it yet. I'm not ready. (laughs) But that's a good testament to whether a horror film was good or not. So check that one out if you haven't. It's not exactly a horror film uh, so much as it is action-packed, but Prey on Hulu, which is sort of a Predator prequel, was very cool. I've seen a couple of the Predator films. I'm not exactly like a big Predator, you know, cult fan by any means, but you don't have to be. This one, in my opinion, this one was the best one yet. It it gave a lot of the background, which I love, like lore. It They actually, can you help fact check me here, Sean? They actually, all the actors were- Native American. But they were- uh, from a specific tribe, I thought. Oh. But anyway, they they were all they actually casted native people. You know how sometimes they'll whitewash things and like cast, uh, you know, somebody who's not native in any way, but just is like tan or something. It's easier, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or yeah. More so me- that well known like household name, and yeah. that was not even a theater film. That was actually something that Hulu did, and Prey was really cool. So a lot of anybody, a lot of people at home probably have Hulu. You can go check it out today. Uh, since we're talking about horror films or just kind of in that same vein, Barbarian. 
Incredible. What I love a unique, sometimes it throws people off. You know, if you're like certain types of horror, you might watch these, I guess, unique storylines and you go, oh, I didn't like that. It wasn't scary. You know, they're <laughs> kind of critical. But for me, that's what makes a good horror film because there are, it's so played out. There are so many stories that are just very played out. The paranormal thing, you know, et cetera. We could go on and on. But Barbarian managed to unlock a new story. And anytime that a horror film can do that, like Smile, I'm, I am all for it because it's hard to do because there's been so many played out stories at this point in the horror genre. I love thrillers. I love thrillers that expand, that go through decades of like decades of life. So, mm-hmm. you know, up to multiple life mm-hmm. times, like how that story, how it goes from like the seventies mm-hmm. or whatever to like present day and like how it really gets It was grotesque. surprising. It was surprising. Ugh. I didn't expect it at all. Like yeah. I did not think that that was how the story was going to go at all. And to throw it back to Hulu real quick, they were on a roll in 2022 because they also did a Hellraiser movie. And I'm also not, I, I like Hellraiser fine, but I'm not some cult fan, but even, but that movie was great. It was so fun. It, I it mean, was. I don't know if you could call it fun. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. It was compelling. It was scary. They, they managed to make a classic story new again. Shout out to Hulu. They were kicking ass in 2022. This is sort of, it's kind of scary. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily a horror film. I want to make sure to get your comments on this because I know it's on your list as well. The Northman? Yeah, The Northman is coming from the same person that did the VV Itch, The Witch, and The Lighthouse. He does all the T-H-E, The movies. I thought The Northman... Which we both love. The Northman was really great. Uh, I will admit this is something a movie I just don't really recall. I need to rewatch. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Like I said, it's, this, it's the same director that did all those other movies that really we really loved, Robert Eggers. And, and it's basically a re- retelling in a different culture of the story. Of Hamlet. Of Hamlet. Okay. And the actor, I'm terrible with actors' names. Alexander Skarsgård. Thank, Thank you. So that also helped my love of it because he's one of my favorite <clears throat> actors. He's like a little bit lesser known of a guy, but anything that he's in, I got to check out. Well, he's a Skarsgård, so he's pretty much <laughs> like the eight triple A tier. Speaking uh, of Norwegian films... <laughs> We cannot get through this podcast without mentioning my favorite superhero, Thor. The other, the newest Thor film came out in 2022, Thor Love and Thunder. Is it my favorite Thor film? No, I think I, that's got it. Ragnarok takes the cake for yeah. my favorite Thor film. But Love and Thunder was a, a lot of fun. I'm one of those people that in, when we go to the theater, the theater, Lydia and I, it is for an impactful movie in our relationship or just something we've been really been. As soon as the first trailer drops and the, by the fifth trailer, we're, we've already bought our tickets because they've already come up. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies. We get back from Europe and we said screw it we're gonna be tired that next weekend but it's gonna be a chill weekend we can go watch thor love and thunder we go and watch it it's, it's freaking awesome i will say just like you said ragnarok's my favorite still thor love and thunder we rewatched this after it came to disney plus still really good but man those goats they really grind my gears <laughs> they just <laughs> they get like ugh. They, yeah, it's it like nails on ch- nails on a chalkboard it's like taika waititi who did both the direct directing of both those movies he's so hilarious no one can deny his prowess as far as comedy and film making but geez he really just needs to tone it back a little get get thor back on track mm-hmm. to being a little bit more like strong and able-bodied versus strong it's playful 
Yeah, it's playful. He's it's, made it, the movies. He's playful. trying to appeal. I like it. He's appealing to like the my nephew who's nine years old and still is just starting his fart and ball slapping jokes. So, <laughs> so real quick, so do, are we ready to give some of our top favorites? I mean, all, a few of those movies were on my favorites. So let me okay. run down. Prey was number ten. Avatar: The Way of Water. The, we'll get back into that because I know that's one of your favorites. The Northman, Smile, The Batman, Jackass Forever. Mm-hmm. Barbarians number four, Nope is number three, Thor Love and Thunder is number two, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once is my favorite movie of 2022. Yeah, that's a top three for Heads sure. and heads above everything else. Nothing even comes close. Uh, uh, just in the fact that it is basically everything I want. It is multiverse, which is, you know, so in right now, so trendy. It is a, a story about family. It's a story about realization and love it's a story about going back to your roots and just knowing that you you kind of got off base and you lost focus this is the like the most incredible film that was made in 2020 uh, made for 2022 and it came out there's nothing that comes even close we've mentioned barbarian i said that i'm big into thrillers years prior we've loved movies that are like the thrillers that tie that that are like Mm -hmm. the circle is tied together you know the cherry on top with with Arrival and Interstellar, thrillers and just stories that really tie everything together. It was an epic movie. Epic. Epic movie, genre bending. Genre bending, yeah. So those are my top 10. I rattled them off. So I'll let you just go and take it away for the last moments of our movie discussion. Sure. Well, I agree with you. It came out, obviously, at the very end of the year, but Avatar... I, I think, you know, you're either an Avatar fan or you think it's silly or something. I mean, so in other you, words, you're you, you're 9 out of 10 an Avatar fan and then the 1 out of every 10 people because this movie makes billions of dollars. Well, I just mean, I think when I say it's one of my favorite films, it's cliche, but I don't care because it's epic. It's an epic film. The story is beautiful. It makes me cry. It's visually stunning. So the long, 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 long awaited sequel to the original film Avatar The Way of Water. I, there's really not, I mean, there's no other way to describe it than epic, of epic proportions. The It's visually stunning. We had a beautiful experience. You know, you laugh, you cry. I can't wait for the other films to come out. It's the type of film that we'll be definitely revisiting. You know, it was like Dune in 2021 for me. We rewatched that several times. I rewatched it without you, I'm pretty sure even. That was an epic film and one that was so important to me in 2021. Similar with Avatar, we're looking forward to even going back to the theater before it's out of the theater so we can see it again and have the experience all over again. James Cameron has said that it cost $2 billion to make this film. So he just broke he broke even, and he said if he breaks even, he's going to make up uh, the fourth and fifth. The third's already been mo-capped. They're in the editing room, the cutting room floor already for it. So that movie was all really incredible. Again, another theater experience that you and I really take seriously. If we go to the theater, we're not going like every other weekend. We don't have the AMC movie pass. We take it seriously, you know? So we went and saw that. That was that's in your that's in my top ten. It's one of your favorites of the year, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's probably top three for me. Yeah, if I think of movies this year, I love like thinking about like the movies I see, and then like, am I gonna rewatch them? Um, a lot of these movies are gonna be rewatched. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen Jackass Forever and Four Point Five. Yep, I've seen both of those. You know, Barbarian. I've mentioned. I want to. I loved. Nope is up there. You know, as a movie, I need to rewatch. I think that. Oh, I love this. This is a comment that you made to about you and I's film watching uh, this year that really like resonated with me and like made me feel like tons of love from you. You're like 
Sean, oh, I know that you love that movie when you go straight to YouTube after to watch Explainers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you did that. We did that for a lot of these movies, babe. We did. Nope, Barbarian, mm -hmm. Smile, The Northman. I mean, there's a lot on here. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once to get explained. You know, you miss a lot. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of highbrow, like, film writing right now and mm -hmm. TV writing, so... Yeah. Well, I I mean, I could go on and on personally. Uh, let's I have, move. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and move. move. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap have... up. Sean, what, I think you would like to mention some of your favorite games of the video year. Video games, before, of course. Be before you dive into the video games, because I'm not a, a huge video game person, I, my only honorable mention for the year, again, is Ultimate Chicken Horse, because it's one of, it's a very fun, silly but also competitive, you know, it's challenging game that w Sean and I like to play and we like to play, especially with our bestie, Mitch. And we've tried to introduce it to other people as well. So it continues to be probably my go-to game when we want something to do as a group. So it was really fun game. when Madison and Clem were here for the holiday uh, for Christmas and New Year's and we got to actually show them uh, the game. So, yeah, that was really fun. So for video games, I absolutely loved Ultimate Chicken Horse, and that was awesome. Uh, League of Legends Wild Rift, I played that throughout the year, and there was moments where Lydia would be putting on some like movie or TV show, and I'd just be playing League of Legends on my phone. I played so much so that I was starting to get carpal tunnel, so I deleted it off my phone after a bad loss once. So <laughs> uh, I, I want to give a shout-out to Fortnite because I got to play with my nephew and his father at the tail end of the year. He just one Saturday, he, he – or. Uh, during Thanksgiving, I think he like mentioned it, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll re-download Fortnite, whatever." And you know, he's nine years old; he just turned nine in December. And it, then I got on, and I started playing with him and his friends and his cousins and his dad, and it's just been a really great experience. Stay connected to my nephew, and then Pokemon Go in Europe. <laughs> uh, I think Becca got Mitch to download it. I ended oh, up downloading it. We started walking around Europe collecting Pokemon. It was just such a great. great it was time. a real. It was a true sight to be seen to be in Europe having an experience, but have most of your friends just glued to their phone trying to play Pokemon. I mean, we're just <laughs> flicking. It's like it's. <laughs> And then, of course, at the tail end of the year, I want to get uh, give a shout out to Magic the Gathering Arena. I got back into Magic here just doing the leagues in the, my local comic book shop and uh, Mayhem Collectibles, giving a shout out to them, of course. Uh, I need to get back to God of War Ragnarok. I want to play The Last of Us Part 1, uh, re the remake on PS5. I have that. And I got Kirby for Christmas. I only played for a couple hours. I need to get back to it. Top five games. Marvel Snap. Loved it. It is a Marvel trading card game. I actually got an iPad this last year too, so I've been I played a lot of trading card games on there. Like I said, Magic the Gathering Arena. Somerville is a really fun game from the the developers of Inside, and uh, I just absolutely loved it. It was fun to walk through this world of like the whole. It's like a post apocalyptic, but the cell shading and the artist art. It was really fun. Um, and the story was pretty good too. It's about getting basically finding your family again. And there's multiple endings getting into my number three, tiny kin, another Xbox game pass favorite. It was a, a platformer in the vein of Pikmin. So you had these little tiny kin that you would you were, you were on earth with these like little <laughs> dust mice essentially and you're jumping around like rooms of a house uh <laughs> throw it back to a lot of speed there real quick but that was a really fun game and then my last two i want to discuss really briefly you can tell that we're trying to zoom through this long podcast with y'all playing at home thanks for listening if you have all the way to this point but as dusk falls which was a storyboard 
video game, which is basically like a point and click adventure. You would you would make decisions. I actually played this in July. I really wanted my for my birthday party this last year to be us all sitting down and playing this four to five hour story. It was almost like picture yourself watching a movie and storyboards. So almost like a comic book where you're seeing one scene and then you make a decision. You go to uh, it's like a, a web of other decisions and scenes and you just kind of keep expanding it through the story that way. Uh, very well written. So much so that uh, I played this, like I said, June, July or whatever. And I was looking up the developer to be like, okay, I want to work at this developer. I really love their everything they're doing. I love the story, the writing and everything. Um, and But they like are out based out of like, Europe somewhere. But that brings me to my number one game of the year. Never even finished it, but still put it in 30, 40 hours. Elden Ring uh, from FromSoft, uh, based out of Japan. And yeah, that was a really great game, but never finished it. Put in a lot of hours. Uh, there was many times where bringing it back to Mitch, he would come over and we throughout the beginning of the year when it first came out in Mar- February or March. And we would just like go pass the controller back and forth trying mm-hmm. to kill the boss. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun. Um yeah, with that being said, let's just chat about uh, any anything you want to highlight for 2023 that we're about to do or we have done or... Yeah, we can just talk. I mean, we could go on and on about that. So we can just talk about the next thing that's up on our to-do and that's that we're going to be going to Disney together for the first time uh, pretty much a year after we were also in Florida for Okeechobee. And we're going to be seeing our good friends Megan and Kyle get married, which is beautiful. And then the few days leading up to that, we're going to get to experience Disney together. Been to Disney once. Sean hasn't been to Disney at all. And I haven't been since I was a little kid, really. So adult Disney motherfuckers coming out. Babies. It'll be fun. And honestly, like I said, you know, we could go on and on because we're big travelers and event goers and concert goers. So you know that we have a lot of stuff planned. And you know, we've already done a lot of stuff just even in the month of January. But I think just to sort of bring it all home and 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 wrap it up for the listeners at home 2022 is a beautiful year i said it in the beginning but just i all i can say is stay grateful for your able body and your health and your wealth and all the love that you have in your life we are so grateful for all the people that surround us and give us love constantly and so many of you who have been paired with us on all the adventures and the music and the movies that we just talked about it would be nothing without our friends and our family and the love that we all have for one another. So I hope that you all had a great 22 and I hope that everyone has a joy-filled 2023 as we're recording this. It's just coming on towards the end of January and it's been a wonderful year so far and I'm looking forward to all the adventures that 2023 holds. We so very much appreciate all of you at home. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you for listeners playing at home. This is Sean and Lydia Happy Hour. I'm Sean S. Johnson on all the socials. Lydia is L-Y-D-D-Z on all the socials, especially Instagram there. Get at us. Send us your thoughts on the show. Send us any any questions that you may have, and we'll definitely give you a shout-out. But with that being said, this is Sean and Lydia Happy Hour coming at you, and we're out of here. Love you all very much. Bye-bye. Good night.